Whether our intention is to be in a conscious relationship or one that is not, one area that can plague our experience is how to navigate our friendships outside of our current relationship. I went into this episode with the perspective that it can be done in a non-threatening way, but what I then learned was that it is way more intricate than just how my individual experience made me think about it. If we wish to move toward consciousness, then we should consider the subtle energies that are at play discussed in this podcast app. Even if you are not blessed to be currently patrolling life with another person at this moment, becoming aware of your voids, where they are being filled, and the possible roles you could be playing for your friends who have significant others is an invaluable perspective to always keep an updated view on. And now, if you find yourself in appreciation and gratitude after listening to this or other past episodes, then please consider taking part in our value for value exchange. Give back the value that you received by listening to this, by sharing the podcast, reviewing us on iTunes, subscribing and interacting on social media and our YouTube channel, offering any of your skills or services that could assist us in our expansion or support us through the good old-fashioned energetic exchange of modern-day currency through our Patreon account. And you could do that by going to wise-wise.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Alexander and I just want to give you a shout-out for listening and a great big thank you, and we are in total gratitude for any way that you choose to give back in appreciation. And now, whether you are solo or partnered up for this listening experience, Be kind and unwind the mind as it's time for your wisdom drop. Now, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. You have found wise, wise. I am Aaron. Hello, everyone. Alexander here. Alexander is here. And today we are going to be uh, having a, a open dialogue about the age old question of friends outside of relationships. And this comes to mind because when I actually met Alexander, I had been recently out of a long-term relationship. It had been maybe a half a year or so, but I was still friends with that person. We had reached a point in our relationship where we kind of just realized we were both friends. And simultaneously, once that realization happened, the attraction for each other just stopped and it was very platonic, at least on my end. I can't say for sure on her end uh, because I'm not her, but right, right. but it seemed like our experience was equal and it was able to work that way. And we actually went on to help each other date, <laughs> which is uh, a very cool and ironic thing to have happened. But it was a really good uh, experience for me to to be able to have that connection with somebody and then become friends because now I can see... I can take that experience and weigh it against other experiences to see if it's very similar to that or not. Sure. And I remember when I mentioned it to you when we first met, you were kind of intrigued, I guess Mm -hmm. is a good word. And because you have had your own experiences and your own ideas about that and you share those with me. I think based on that experience that I've had and in the past, I've always been that person to... I've been very fickle and usually I'm the one breaking off relationships and then deciding, oh, I still want to be friends with you, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just not going in the same direction. I've always been the person uh, moving around a lot and and I'm I'm three diamonds. So I have that creative energy and I guess we, we can bring in the low side of that, which is the shiny object, always chasing that shiny object. Well said. So my past has always been like still being friends with people and... 
many people have also asked me, well, are you still friends with that person? Or what, what does it mean? What do you do? You know, why do you feel like you need to stay in contact with that person? And I've never really had an answer for that. Like, I've never defined what a friend was to me. Mm-hmm. I guess to me, a friend was just somebody that I've known. And once in a while, we're like, hey, you know, how are you? Just checking in, hoping everything is good with you and and vice versa. And the definition of friend to me has been like a range because like I would call you a friend. I would call the, some of the people that I talk to the most friends, but then also for some reason, the people that maybe I had friend, like really deep friendships with in the past growing up, I would still call them friends, even though we may talk like once a year or, or even less than that. Mm-hmm. And so Alexander, I would love to bring you in here and I would love if we could define friends, if you have a definition that comes to mind, or maybe we could just have a conversation about what they could be. Yeah, and I think this is going to be more like a conversation because this is possibly the most important facet of of this discussion is what defines a friend? Because some people, especially when you're getting into a new relationship, Um, who you call a friend and how you stay in contact with them and how frequently is an issue for a lot of people when they're, when they're meeting someone new. And I get asked this a lot, you know, can men and women just be friends or can people just be friends? And it's not that they can't. I want to bring in the variables of, you know, A, what are you getting out of the friendship and what are you giving the friendship? Because every connection takes a certain amount of energy. And whatever energy that you use to keep a connection, you don't have that to give intimately to someone, uh, your children or your mate or something like that. So, So if we look at each individual as we do have a so-called container of energy, And if we expend more than we gain, then that exhausts us. And when we're looking to build more intimate and conscious relationships, every little bit of energy is important. So I think it's important here to bring in another term that many people may be confusing with friends, and that's acquaintances. And I think that's the very first step is separating who is really your friend And then who is your acquaintance? Because to some people, friendship means that you frequent each other quite often or you're really there for each other if there's some type of emotional issue or um, even a physical issue. And, And for some people, it could be spiritual. It could be mental it could even be energetic. You just enjoy being around someone. And that's, that's what really this podcast is going to be about is what are you looking to gain out of this so-called friendship? And maybe it would be worthwhile putting it into the, the person into a category of acquaintance. And where are you trying to fulfill voids that you're not getting in your intimate relationships uh, presently? So I'm hoping that this is going to create more questions for people rather than define very much at all. We're just looking to bring a different view as to what some people would defend a so-called friend and talk about how important they are to have that connection. But then quite often I will say, well, when was the last time that you talked to them or hung out with them? And sometimes it will be years. And I'm just wondering if that can't fall under an, an acquaintance. And yes, you were friends and you were close at one point in time and, and maybe you will be again, but right now you're just really not. Life's taking you in different directions. And so I'm all about being friendly. Okay. Let me be clear with that. But when you define someone as your friend and you're going to make sure that you make time for them and that's costing your other relationships, even with your children, uh, this is what I'm hoping that will be useful for just uh, to shine a different light on for people. Yeah, I think you brought up the term voids. And when we're in a relationship, if there are voids in it and we're we're getting fed somewhere else, that can cause a problem. And I think we'll dig more into that as we go. What are some of the areas or levels of the voids? Like, are there specific areas that you can name out that that we could be fed somewhere else? 
Absolutely. Here we'll bring in the five different levels, as we do on almost every episode. The physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual or religious. And see, normally when we call someone a friend, we're getting a feed from one of those areas. Like for a lot of guys, sometimes it's just on the physical level, like we have somebody that we like to go play volleyball with or throw disc golf with or, you know, play basketball with or go fishing or something like that. But many times uh, those energies don't always share a lot uh, mentally or emotionally or, you know, very much energetically or even spiritually. And there's nothing wrong. There's no judgment with any of these. But hopefully the point here is to help you to understand why you are carrying on a connection with someone. And if you're in an intimate relationship, and maybe you're struggling with your partner and maybe say that you're struggling with them sexually, which normally equates to an emotional issue as well. And so there may be a void there of a connection uh, deep enough emotionally to make you feel comfortable enough to really be enjoying sex with your partner. And if you have a, a friend that you are getting fed emotionally in that way, you may not have it available for your intimate partner. So, so that's another facet of this that we're going to be discussing is that when you're getting fed somewhere else, it's not always uh, providing an opportunity for your partner to, to fulfill that. At the same time, we do need to keep our energy moving. And so people playing these roles is very important. But to be aware of where your voids are in your relationships you know, another hypothetical is just maybe a parent that hasn't uh, spent enough time with their kids because they've been busy working, but then a friend calls them up and they want to go mo- mountain biking. And so the parent decides to go, you know, spend that time with their friend and enjoy mountain biking, but see the the child is still missing that, that physical connection uh, with the father in this situation. And so, so everyone's not necessarily looking at their energy or their time as their currency, and that's going to be a big facet of, of today's podcast. So when we do talk about these voids and people are in relationships and they take the time to listen through this podcast episode and maybe after uh, kind of go into a state of reflection and maybe they can identify where their voids are in their relationship what do you suggest that they do after that? Like, what's the next step? Is it is it that you bring it up to your partner? Or I would also say that maybe they should assess if they are filling those voids somewhere else too and, and maybe talk about it. Yes, and, you know, I, I want to, as coming in with the answer to this question, I want to do my best to clear up that we're going to use the language of heterosexual relationships. But any of you that are experiencing other types of relationships, please use flip the language to make it applicable. Uh, we're just going to choose one here uh, to to be able to describe and give examples, but then we want you to have the freedom to be able to shift whatever verbiage you need to fit your own individual situation, and we respect and honor everyone's choices. So in a heterosexual relationship, if, say, there is a sexual issue, meaning there's an emotional issue, which could be a mental issue as well, you're just not able to get on the same page with your partner, and say that, of course, that's well known between the man and woman that's in the relationship. If the woman goes and has a male friend that is also heterosexual, that she is talking about her emotional issues with, and she's getting uh, filled in that way, it can create a lot of confusion because attraction can be created by a person feeling received. So this is why it would be wise for the woman in that situation to consider not calling on her heterosexual male friend in this type of friendship because it's going to put more of a strain on the intimate relationship. So once again, adjust your verbiage to however you need to to fit your personal situation. But this is part of what 
when we discuss conscious relationships, this is a big part of that, that you understand that your actions has a direct effect on your partner, on your children, on your the people that are closest to you. So understanding what the friendship, you know, where you connect on the five different levels and then being realistic with yourself of where your voids are in your relationship can go a long ways with helping make sure that you're not creating more of a wedge between you and your partner by continuing this so-called friendship uh, when it may be fine to continue the friendship but choosing what you're discussing and the experience that you're having with this external friend can be very respectful and uh, can help the intimate relationship a lot. Yeah, and in a, in a conscious relationship, I think the intention of both parties is to look at everything, we can say, from the five-level perspective or an energetic perspective to see where their actions are either furthering the relationship or helping the relationship or taking away from the relationship. And I think that's really important uh, to have as a mindset when trying to formulate a conscious relationship. Yes, because all relationships are growing. You're either growing closer together or further apart. But there's growing always happening in relationships. And this is a big step into realizing where you're putting your energy where you're exhausting your energy and what energy is available to the people that you really want it to be available to. And this can help a person that has been judged as selfish. This can be like a stepping stone to help them to see why other people see them as selfish just by considering, yes, what I'm looking to get out of this situation and where can I give that or maybe get that within my more intimate circle. And I think that that's, uh, that can go a long way because most people just aren't aware, once again, that all of these connections, why they have all of these so-called connections. And uh, this is, you know, optimally for, for two people to experience a really pure friendship, you know, they're completely happy in their relationships, uh, both parties on all five levels, and there's no void that they're looking to fill. And that's why I say that it just happens rarely that two people can get together and there's not an attraction on one or the other sides. And most people are busy defending themselves, saying, hey, I'm not attracted to them at all. But we never know where the attraction point is on the other side. And unfortunately, everyone's not always honest with that because if you are attracted to someone, you just want to be around them. So, of course, if asked about it, Uh, Most people will choose to lie about it just so they will get to be around that person more to have more of an influence. And I think this is a great time to bring this up uh, to talk about, you know, conscious relationships. And we talk about conscious communication, but many times some of the most important things in relating or being in a relationship happens outside of the communication as well. And that's the actions. And that's what we're discussing here. So we kind of touched upon the physical and the emotional voids, and we kind of understand where those would or how those would play out. But I'm sitting here wondering, like, are there any voids that are less detrimental to a relationship? And so maybe let's let's take a walk through all five individually and we can see how they would play out energetically. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with the physical, it's not always um, sexual, you know, physical. It can be you know, just complimentary. Like if someone doesn't get complimented by their mate uh, or feel appreciated, then many times uh, they'll have a friend uh, possibly of the opposite sex of that that makes them feel good in that way. And this isn't saying that there's anything wrong with that uh, because we, we all need to be fed. But the recognition that the void is there is what I want to point out, that to recognize that you're not getting this in your relationship, so you're more susceptible to uh, someone that's a manipulator or someone that is a player, someone that learns that you need that, so they use it to to sway you. And this connects back into, like, standing in your power. So uh, it could be a complimenting the way you dress even on the physical level. And when we're able to see 
our voids or where we're lacking that in our life, once again, it can help us to understand how people are influencing and manipulating us. So if you go from the physical, then you go to the mental. Some people in their relationships, their intimate relationships, they don't get fed mentally enough. They're they're intrigued by the world. They they enjoy study, but they might be with a partner that just is happy to go to their job and come home and not do any more study or that type of thing. And so that can be healthy to a certain extent to have friends where you are able to plug in and get that mental stimulation. And in my uh, relationship consulting part of my work, uh, you know, this is a big part of helping people to see that when when you come together with a person or even with a family, that doesn't mean that that person or that family is going to completely fulfill you. Uh, so, you know, mental stimulation is very important for some people and it's just not to others. And, uh, whether that is in research of things or just growing and expanding your, your knowledge base, um, it's just, uh, on the intellectual side, some people really get fed by that. Then you go into the, uh, energetic side An energetic side is like our environment, like someone that just makes us feel really good to be around them. Um, Or someone's home sometimes just brings you a certain sense of relaxation or peace. And so when you look at your partner or your family really checking in to how do you just feel in general? Does your energy have to be on guard? Do you feel like you have to um, that you're getting judged or ridiculed or sized up constantly, you know, so that can make like the energetic environment just not comfortable all the time. So some people retreat to a friend's house to go and be around their friend or out in nature uh, so that they can, they can have a different experience of their environment. And once again, that can be healthy, uh, but it's also healthy to generate that in your intimate circle because that's where you spend the majority of your time more than likely. So bringing the the emotional in, uh, through my consultations, I hear people just about every day talk about not being able to relate uh, to their mate or to their partner or to their children or even to their parents or siblings. And so relating is just such a big deal for us and most of the time that is on the emotional level that people want to be understood, they want their emotions to be understood and not just corrected or tried to be fixed. And so that's where empathy can play a big role. And so, you know, when you're not able to talk about your emotions openly and freely in your intimate circle, this is one of the first places that people reach out to so-called friends And that can be helpful, but once again, looking at the reasons of why that's not able to be nurtured in your intimate circle and using your friend or that situation for inspiration on all of these levels to develop it more in your intimate circle rather than just always depending on this external feed or this external person uh, to get that feed. And then to wrap up, you know, with the spiritual or the religious, uh, it's quite often that people get married or in intimate relationships and their partner don't share their same religious or spiritual views. And for some people, this can be devastating in relationships. And, and for others, it's just not that big of a deal. So, so they will go to maybe church or go to a temple or they'll go to a gathering to get that feed, to get fed so-called spiritually or religiously, Uh, that once again, they may not be getting at home. And to, to wrap all of this up of the importance is to see that why you're seeking it outside and that that is useful for a limited amount of time before it becomes dependent. And we want to look at where we can get fed on all five of these levels within ourselves, without depending on these external situations. But while we're learning to do that, relationships are very important. And to realize that if you're getting that feed outside of your intimate circle, um, are you leaving it open to even develop in that intimate circle? 
or are you just continuing to get fed externally and there's not even an opportunity for your intimate people to have that experience? So I think it's worth just checking in, and I think everybody will have kind of a different realization or view of this episode. I think that was an excellent point that you said that we're all really working on becoming self-dependent on all five of these levels. And that's why we do the work. But in the meantime, we are still having relationships and throughout our lives, we're still going to have relationships. So this is all real good information to look at and just so we can be aware. And like, of course I'm sitting here and I want answers. I want like, like absolutes, but none of this information is to give anybody an absolute. Like we're never going to have a perfect relationship. And so we're going to have to consider all these options in all that. And so I guess my question is, like, do we need to be filled in all five levels by a partner? And, of course, like, we're not talking absolutes, so I'm sure the answer is is a whole variation and there's no, like, yes or no. Uh, but what do you have for that? Yeah, I mean, uh, in the past, that was certainly a goal of mine in past relationships. Uh, I felt like that... I could have that one person and we could complete each other uh, intentionally on all of those levels. But I wasn't looking at that completion being a dependency because really what I was working on uh, with those people is that self-fulfillment and working towards both parties being self-fulfilled on all five of those levels so that there is no dependencies, there is no voids that are there. And I think that that's a big confusion with most people in relationships is that most people relate relate their ideas of relationships around dependency rather than independency and that the two people that come together that are the most fulfilled individually are going to be able to have the most fulfilling relationship because there's no dependency. Dependency creates push and pull. And this is why many people have tons of people that they spread their energy out to because it's safer. You don't have to be as vulnerable if you're able to get a feed from just one little feed from, you know, a hundred different people. Then if somebody pulls away, it's not as big of a pull to where if you just get that feed with from one to three people and one of them pulls away, there's a drastic uh, experience there. So our culture has been become inundated with so-called friendships that are at a st- extremely shallow level, but it's because they're playing a very specific role and that person can't fulfill that within themselves. And so they have lots of so-called friendships But when I get them to break down what the friendship really means many times, such as you suggested, it's hard to describe. And I think that that is because it would fall better under an acquaintance. And for you to decide whether it's really worth the energy to keep that the energy going to that acquaintance or is that the separation between friends and acquaintances is that you can let acquaintances go, and then pick them up back up at any point in time. And I'm trying to get the understanding that a friendship may infer that you're constantly giving them energy, that you're constantly, you're connected energetically, whether you are verbally or not, or, or whether you are physically or not. And I think that this could be a good place for people to just kind of recategorize people and realize that, yes, acquaintances, we can we don't have to give them energy constantly. We might that might be somebody that we call a friend, but we really don't talk to them but about every five years. That's easy to put them in an acquaintance and just be friendly with them when you do cross each other's path. Yeah, I think my hesitancy around removing people from the friend label is is that I guess to me that meant that I was cutting them off and was never giving them energy again. And, right. and I extreme. think, yeah, 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 I guess, <laughs> I guess uh, pretty extreme. So, and, and I, and I think that's why that acquaintance is a buffer. It's still, no, you're, you're in my peripheral, you're in and out of my life. Um, but you know, it's not an energy that I'm going to stay plugged into, uh, to consider that a friend, but we're acquaintances and I'm going to be friendly with you uh, at every point in time that we interact. So there are, of course, different levels that we uh, are being fed in our relationship, which would 
mean that there's different levels of voids. It's not an all or nothing. It's, you know, zero percent to 100 percent. And we can look at it that way. So are there any types of behaviors that maybe we should consider keeping outside of the relationship, such as like competition things like you mentioned uh, playing sports? If, If you don't possibly get that energy out playing sports, you may bring in the competitive energy into your relationship. Yeah, yeah. That's a a very, very good point that competition exists in a lot of relationships because normally opposites attract. And with opposites, many times you have different skill sets. But normally there is some area that kind of bleeds over and it becomes competitive. And for some relationships, they're competitive in almost every area of the relationship. And this is shown in the cards uh, as a Mars influence. And so if you don't find something to um, build together, to be on the same team, uh, yes, that competition and see uh, attraction is the opposite of competition. So they have to coexist. So many relationships that are extremely attracted to each other, carry a lot of competitive energy. And this is why getting on, being on the same team of something is very important, but be very careful that you're not critical of your teammate, your partner, when you're on the same team competing. Because many times a competitive person will um, judge or critique their loved one quite harshly just because they can. And you can see that energy shift so much when the language is more supportive and to see that, no, we're on the same team. We're not here to make each other better. We're here to be on the same team and to develop together. And see, that's two different mindsets. And from a competitive mindset, you're always looking of how we can do better. So if you're on the same team carrying the competitive mindset, you're going to be nitpicking. You're going to be getting on them when they make a mistake because you want to try to fix it. And we need to let that go when we're on the same team. We need to only be supportive in that way or otherwise it creates a um, a leverage issue and normally the other team wins in that situation. It's very similar with children in the way that they will pit parents against each other. If the children ever see the parents get in a squabble and it was the way that they introduced it, they, the child, the child learns to use that as a tool. That's why it's imperative. I feel like that all parents get used to telling the child, let me talk to your mother, let me talk to your father, let me talk to the other mate to make sure that they understand we're always going to communicate to each other before giving you an answer. And that goes a a very long way in showing a strong, solid um parenting partnership uh, where kids are concerned. So there's no doubt that this this whole situation, if somebody finds themselves looking through this and uh, with the voids, that it's so intricate. There's so many different pieces or considerations within it, and which has brought up a lot of questions for me in different situations. So what about friends that are of the same sex or if you were in a same-sex relationship, it would be somebody of the opposite sex, somebody you're not traditionally going to date. Does it make a difference if our friends that are filling voids are of that nature? Yeah, I think that's important. And one of the considerations, uh, you know, in building a truly conscious, intimate relationship is that, you know, you let's just say that you are having an emotional issue with your partner and say you have a friend, Bill, and a friend, Mary, that can play a similar role to support you in this emotional issue. And you want to just take that consideration about, well, let me contact the one that is going to put the least strain or least worry in my partner's mind um, because that's what we're looking to to build and overcome is, is this misunderstanding and and... So whether it's a, a homosexual relationship or a heterosexual relationship, it's not about whether it's a man or a woman. It's about understanding your attraction point and knowing that our attraction point changes when we are vulnerable and that many times people make mistakes because they 
shared the wrong thing with the wrong person at the wrong time that led to something else. And especially if inebriation is around, uh, that that just opens the floodgates for the vulnerability. And just taking a time to be aware of your voids, what what is the areas in your intimate relationships that isn't being fulfilled, and then being considerate when you go to a friend or a so-called friend to get assistance, whether it's in the physical, mental, emotional, energetic, or spiritual realms, that you're aware of what level that's on and you're aware of if the person you are going to is going to help the situation or potentially cause more problems for the situation. So this doesn't have to be a judgment on the friendship. It's just that there they could be a friend uh, hypothetically in this discussion about these emotions, but because it might make my partner uncomfortable, I'm going to choose not to go to them. I'm going to find someone else that isn't even close to my attraction point to where that won't be an issue for my partner. And so this, again, this is just raising your level of intimacy in your relationships and your communication and paying attention that where you run to when you experience a void, where do you run to to get that void filled up? And is that truly helping your intimate relationships or is it more likely to create more problems? Yeah, and I think also looking at what you actually need in that situation, if it's just to let stuff out, then, you know, then then you wouldn't need somebody who's more nurturing than you could, you know, in my case, go find a dude friend. Um, but if I needed that nurturing, maybe I would uh, go to my sisters or my mother. That's more of a safer choice. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, and this is about choice. And to realize that many times when you go to a so-called friend or family member for so-called help, uh, they're not often the ideal source because they can't stand in non-preference. They can't, they can't see it clearly because they're attached to you. They care about you. And this is why a, a therapist or a coach can be very useful, somebody that there's a very clear understanding of the separation here because most people just need a venting session. You just need very little input and most of the time it's just to release something that you're that's frustrating you or holding you back. And not often are friends or family members able to not give their opinion. And again, their opinion is going to be swayed by their experiences and their judgments on the person that you're in relationship with. So there's a whole lot of variables there. So so the way we utilize these so-called friends is just a very interesting topic. And it can even be helpful to maybe, you know, save getting help with somebody that is clearly that's what they are there for and that these friends and family members are really there for venting. And maybe you can even precursor that with calling somebody and say, I really need someone to vent to and, you know, not not looking to be fulfilled or that void to be filled with information, with answers, because that's coming with many times uh, a cost of their judgments. And that's not always or very rarely is that truly useful information. So uh, so the roles of these so-called friends and then how important they truly are, maybe they should really be acquaintances because many friendships create uh, wedges between intimate relationships and even children and siblings. Um, so so I think this is a great topic just for everybody to just kind of do a little check-in on um, both your voids of what you're missing in your intimate relationships, how those voids make you more vulnerable, and then who you choose to spend your time and energy with and what you're looking to get out of these five levels when you reach out to someone. And most of the time, we really uh, just need to vent. And I think the safest place, if we're on that subject, is to 
rely on ourselves and go out in nature like we've talked about many times on many different episodes, and that is to speak your truth and speak it to nature and get out that emotion that you're holding inside so that when you've exacerbated all that emotional energy, then you can go back to your mate and have more of a a conscious view on what the situation took place, right? Yes, and I think that one reason that most people avoid that because— Yes, speak your truth, people, but it's not imperative to speak it to people uh, because you are going to get opinions right away, almost always. And I think the reason that most people don't take advantage of that is because we've been trained to seek approval, to, to be told that we're in the right, so to say, to feel that so-called support. And that's what many friends and family, the roles they play, they want to be on your side And that's why, yes, just going out to nature and releasing it as angrily as you felt it and just get it out, uh, crying, spitting, whatever it takes. And once you release that emotion, then you will be able to see it much more clearly. And maybe that's when you go to talk with someone. Um, But that releasing the emotion is such an important step because if you think it, you need to release it. And Many times we'll hold something, especially at work, they'll think it and they'll want to say something, but they don't because they want to keep their job. And then they don't naturally let that out. But what they'll do is they'll just go complain to other coworkers and like just sit in it and almost just sit and spin in it, but never have a true emotional release. They're just, they're creating more of the, the emotion, just talking with it about people that they know they'll be supported and, and this is a negative energy, uh, you know, cesspool that uh, many people get caught up with, especially where work's concerned. Yeah, and if we think about it visually as like a fire, the the fire is your emotion, and you want it to burn off. And if we're bringing people into our bonfire, and they're bringing couches and chairs, and because of you know their experiences, and so the fire is only it getting bigger. Going. Yeah, it just <laughs> keeps going and. And uh, that's unfortunately the way that most people think that they're processing emotions when really they're just wallowing in it and they're not processing anything. They're not truly releasing and then filling that void up with a conscious thought. And in the Just Philosophy, I call it the 360-degree view. Is yes, release the anger, release the frustration, but they come back in and bring in gratitude at the end for what you do have, what you do see, what you did learn. And that's why one of the pillars is every person and situation that you come in contact with has a lesson in it if you are looking to learn. And so let's look at this from a single person perspective. Do we need or is it good practice to go through this this process as well to look to where we have voids in our current life? And, and do we need to have friends to fulfill every void or is there... Is that why we get into relationships? Because we're attracted to somebody who could fill those voids. Yeah, uh, often it is that uh, the pursuit of the relationship is to fill some of those voids. And this is why time uh, single is so important in between relationships. Um, Because once again, the ideal is to be completely self-fulfilled so that you're not entering into a relationship for them to fill a void Because if they feel a void and you don't continue to work to establish that fulfillment yourself, then that's what creates codependency. And uh, there's really uh, not many other ways for that energy to play out. And unfortunately, a lot of our relationships are codependent-based rather than, uh, like I said, using your opposite to inspire you to become more like them rather than just utilizing them to fulfill that area in you. And this is the downfall of a lot of relationships. We are attracted to somebody that is our opposite, and then we attempt to change them to make them more like us, and uh, that ruins the, the connection many times. So as a single person we can tend to find people to uh, fill our emotional void and that they could be people that we're friends with that are of the opposite sex or, or, or the people we are attracted to. And then we, we get into a relationship. And so how do we manage that transition between, 
you know, having a friend fill that emotional void to then transitioning that over to your your new partner. Well, the beautiful thing about a, a friend filling that is friends are normally inspiring. Many times, I mean, it ha- does happen from time to time, but a friend energy normally isn't going to um, just completely fill the void for you and you're going to be able to go and just get that fulfillment. It's normally that you're going to have an experience with that person and they inspire you in this way. And so you have a friend that is artistically creative. And so you like being around them because it brings the creativity out of you. But yes, if you get in an intimate relationship with them, then competition comes in. You see that you're never going to be as good as them in this creative venture. So then you don't, many times the person doesn't want to do it anymore. And so it becomes a divide in the relationship. So, So this is why once you cross over into that more intimate level, it changes the play, the playground, so to say. And when you're single, many people do use friends or people they meet to inspire them. It's normally you cross over that gray area when you start pursuing them as an intimate mate and then trying to change characteristics about them that were actually inspiring at one point. So I think seeing that... Uh, especially answering your question about how a single person navigates that is is truly being honest of how fulfilled they are in all of those levels or all of those areas and being able to be honest with themselves of separating inspiration and that you're actually going to be codependent on this if you go in an intimate pursuit of that. It just switches from inspiration to the codependency. And so... How we navigate that in the very beginning is very important, and that's why I like to hear people that have had extended periods uh, alone um, for three or more years, I think is very inspiring uh, for people to truly find themselves, especially if they're able to fill those voids. And not everybody that spends that amount of time alone uh, finds and is able to fulfill those voids uh, because most people aren't even aware uh, that they exist. Now, what about transitioning from having a friend who is the opposite sex, in my case, or a heterosexual relationship, and then finding somebody else new to have a relationship with, but I previously relied on them f- to for my emotional support, and then having to navigate that where you're you're kind of moving your emotional support over to your relationship, but this person made, you know, I guess if they're really, really a platonic friend, they would understand. Yeah, yeah, and that's normally one of the very first signs that, you know, it's not as pure as it may have been because many friends, so-called friends, won't support their friend going into a relationship because they know they have to give something up. And if they don't, consider that they're just not being realistic because normally in the beginning of a relationship, a person's looking for that person to kind of fulfill all those areas or at least to give them a chance to be able to. So I think that's a, a very telltale a sign, once again, of how your so-called friend is supporting you to go in the direction of a relationship and whether it is truly platonic or not. And I've found that more Often than not, uh, there is a, some type of attraction there or jealousy, and it normally um, shows itself when a person is looking to move closer with someone. And now what about the situation where your friend that is outside of your relationship is of the opposite sex in a heterosexual relationship or you know the one that you're tr- attracted to, and they're also in a relationship? Like, How does that change things up? Well, it can, you know, it can help things, but then it does come down to how the two relationships are fulfilling each other. Is that when the friends come together, what voids, once again, are being played out and being clear that that will probably put a strain on the relationship, the intimate relationships, if these two friends just get together and hang out uh, because maybe they do connect on a lot of these different levels and so even though that can be fulfilling see it can be very threatening to the partners and i'm not saying that anyone should cater all their friends to their partners but 
at least being aware uh, that, you know, there's work to do on both sides. The, the partners that's carrying the jealousy, they need to work on their jealousy. But at the same time, uh, their mate that is choosing the friend to hang out with, they have a responsibility as well as to how that's making their, their intimate partner feel. And this is just gets down to, yes, whether you're truly pursuing conscious, intimate relationships or you're just looking to have uh, an intimate relationship at a certain level and then fulfill these other voids or these other areas with uh, external people. And there's again, there's no right or wrong. It's just being able to communicate with your intimate partner to people being able to discuss where they stand on this subject consciously and non-emotionally is the goal. And if you're a single person and your friend gets into a relationship, it seems like uh, it would be conscious to respect that and understand that when two people enter into a relationship or are trying to consciously manage that fulfillment within their relationship, then their energy is going to become less and less for outside external people or uh, energies. And so it seems like the more a couple becomes fulfilled within each other or within themselves with each other, then the outside kind of external uh, relationships kind of change or or fall away. Yes, yes. And, you know, that's due to the laws of of frequency of how frequency works. When one person makes an adjustment, everyone has to adjust or they're pushed away because if they can't find harmony, they're going to create friction. And so, you know, so-called platonic friendships, um, you know, a lot just gets revealed when one or the other does enter into some type of relationship pursuit and how they respond to that. And that's many times when people's true colors are shown or what what they've been hiding. And hopefully this podcast is going to help people that have the purest of intentions and They do try to carry on friendships, but they do need to pay attention to how it is affecting their their mate or their potential mate and what the agenda of the so-called friend really is. And so, you know, any friendship I feel like should be able to talk very openly about what they're getting out of the friendship and why we stay in contact and that type of thing. And if it can't be discussed and there may either be ulterior motives or it may be just a connection that would be much better defined as an acquaintance rather than uh, a friendship that's getting uh, consistent energy. And so in our society, the term cheating is brought up mostly when there's like a physical affair. But how would you look at that term and would you apply that to like the emotional level or maybe all, I mean, could it be considered on all levels? Yeah. I mean, once again, if you're not giving your mate the opportunity to um, experience that level. So if someone is going to say you can physically cheat, then you can also emotionally cheat and you can mentally cheat and you can spiritually cheat and, you know, spiritual cheating or religious cheating may be that, you're in a marriage and everyone thinks that both of you are Christian and you go to church, but then one or the other starts dabbling in, you know, something different. And that could be, you know, considered a religious cheating or spiritual cheating. And the cheating term normally comes in when a person feels like they, they're being done wrong. Um, and that's why I like to just present it as are you giving them the opportunity? Because there's nothing wrong with people changing their minds and going in like a different direction or getting more mental stimulation maybe. But give your partner the invitation to say, hey, would you like to go to this museum with me? You know, and if they say no, then you have the right to choose a friend to go see the museum with. But once again, who you choose, what friend you choose is either going to help your situation or make it harder one or the other and you do play a role in deciding who that friend is so you know whether it's cheating or not is a very subjective term and that's going to be per individual but it you know i think it's best to just wrap that up to say you know are you giving your partner uh, a very conscious and intentional opportunity to participate with you in that area, or are you just looking to not involve them and be 
uh, entertained by this other person over here? And are you clear in what your attraction points are? And attraction points and voids are always very closely related. So unfortunately, many people will fool themselves and say, oh, yeah, I'm in a heterosexual uh, marriage and uh, and my name's Mary, but I really like talking to Tim over here about intellectual stuff better than my husband. But that's all that it is. It's just that, you know, and that may be all that is to Mary, but to Tim, it may be more than just the intellectual stimulation because Tim might be single and or he might be in a very unhappy marriage. And so, of course, he's going to just say if if asked, he's going to say, oh, yeah, it's just about this intellectual stimulation. Um, but people aren't often honest, first of all, with themselves, much less other people. So hopefully this is a podcast to just kind of um, shake things up a little bit for everyone, all the listeners, and for you to do a recalibration of where you're at with all of this intimate uh, intimacy and friendships and acquaintances and all these different labels. But the most important thing is how are you dividing your energy up and are you being honest with yourself with your voids and your attraction points? To wrap up this awesome conversation, I really enjoyed it. I really went in um, with a blank slate, and I've definitely learned a lot, Alexander, so I, I appreciate the conversation and the insight. I guess my last question would be, where does or does the the three questions play in with all this? Because I feel like if people don't know who they are and where they're going, then they're they're almost going to be lost even as to why they're even in a relationship. Yeah, well, you know, I do stand on the platform that in order to have the optimal relationship, uh, the individual needs to understand themselves optimally uh, first. And that's why the self-work, the self-discovery work is such a big part of this philosophy. Because, yes, if you know who you are and you know what you're about or what you do or what you're passionate about, and then you're clear in how you exemplify those things, then when you step into relating with someone, and that's question four and five of what you have to offer the relationship, and then what you are looking to receive from the relationship, you're, you're much more clear in being able to answer question four and five if you're clear on questions one, two, and three. And I've had many people say, well, it seems like it's so much easier to answer it's question four and five of like, what am I looking for a relationship and what am I looking to give a relationship than it is to ask those individual questions of who are you, what do you do, and what do you exemplify? And that's because people are willing to adapt in the beginning of relationships. And so they will be entertained by something that is new. So this is where that inspiration is. And it's, oh, yeah, I'd like to to live off grid and I've never lived off grid, but it sounds great, you know, and then that person lives off grid for a few months and then they start resenting it and really not liking it because it's not really who they are. It's just an experience they were looking to have and they were influenced and maybe even talked into it. But that wouldn't have happened if they would have been clear on their, their three, those three main questions. And that's why being able to stand in your power, knowing who you are, knowing what you're about, knowing what you're looking to exemplify every time you go out there into the world is just a uh, it's a rarity that that people are are clear on those three questions and and why that's such a big part of this work. And why most people do lose themselves in relationships because they're busy trying to adapt or do what they feel like will um, bring them happiness, which is attempting to fill these voids, using other people to attempt to fill their voids because they didn't choose to focus on those first three questions themselves. Yeah, I think we definitely need to have a podcast on its own to cover those questions four and five. I'd love to dive into those. But if anybody wants to check out the three questions episode that we did a while back, uh, definitely look into the show notes. You'll find that link there along with any other episodes that I feel like apply or any topics that we kind of touched upon so that you can expand your uh, knowledge and insight on those as well. Alexander, thank you again. This, this was really awesome. Uh, and everybody stay tuned for the three minutes of stillness. Much love, everyone.
we appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verities Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.